0: Today was going to be the last Sunday that we looked at the life of David, a man after God's own heart, a man who loved God, and as we have been looking at in the last couple of weeks, a man who stumbled, who strayed, who was fallen. This morning we're going to read about perhaps a younger David (coughs) um, in this chapter. It's a psalm. This chapter is duplicated in the psalms in Psalm 18 with some... um, several editorial changes, probably that David may have made himself. Um, I think it was Spurgeon who suggested that uh, David wrote this psalm perhaps younger, in his younger days, and referred to it several times, used it several times as a prayer, a song to God, and that Psalm 18 become more of a, an edited public version that makes its way into the public songbook of Israel in the Psalter, in the Psalm. This is God's word to us for today, 2 Samuel chapter 22. We're going to read the whole chapter. And I'm reading to you from the NET, the New English Translation. <clears throat> David sang the Lord's words, uh, to the Lord, the words of this song, when the Lord rescued him from the power of all of his enemies, including Saul. He said, The Lord is my high ridge, my rock, my stronghold, my deliverer. My God is my rocky summit where I take shelter, my shield, the horn that saves me, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I was delivered from my enemies. The waves of death engulfed me. The currents of chaos overwhelmed me. The ropes of Sheol tightened around me. The snares of death trapped me. In my distress I called to the Lord. I called to my God. From his heavenly throne temple he heard my voice. He listened to my cry for help. The earth heaved and shook. The foundations of the sky trembled. They heaved because he was angry. Smoke ascended from his nostrils, from his nose. Fire devoured as it came from his mouth. He hurled down fiery coals. He made the sky sink as he descended. A thick cloud was under his feet. He mounted a winged angel and flew He glided on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, in thick rain clouds. From the brightness in front of him came coals of fire. The Lord thundered from the sky. The Sovereign One shouted loudly. He shot arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. The depths of the sea were exposed. The inner foundations of the world were uncovered by the Lord's battle cry, by the powerful breath from his nose he reached chapters last word by way of introduction is that when you take the books of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel and you put them together in 1 Samuel chapter 2 there is the prayer, the song of Hannah and when you come to the end of the 2 Samuel chapter 22 you have this song of David so the song of Hannah in chapter 2 and the song of David here at the end in 22 with 2 Samuel are like bookends to the books of 1 and 2 Samuel, that they form a whole, that the story is to hold together. Well that'll do by way of introduction. Let's work our way through this strong song that has lots of language in it which is not perhaps familiar with us or the way we speak and it contains lots of images and metaphors and when you work your way through it then I think we'll come to a point of hopefully understanding it and being able to embrace it. So David sang this song when the God had given him victory from all of his enemies and he had a lot of enemies. If you go through the stories that we've been working through then he was delivered from Goliath, he was delivered from Saul, he was delivered from the Philistines, the Ammonites, the Syrians, the Edomites, the Moabites, the Amalekites and the Vegemites. There is also Abner and Ishbosheth in there as well. Lots of enemies. Israel, just like today, is surrounded by many people who don't like them. These are God's people. And God gave him victory and peace. Delivered him. And because of that quite literal military and political deliverance, he is now singing. It reminds me of another occasion where the Apostle Paul and Silas were in prison in Philippi. And That they had beaten and they're now in stocks with their legs stretched apart. And it's at midnight and they're singing. David singing out of victory. These guys are singing in the midst of suffering. You can test your spiritual condition by your attitude. When was the last time you sang to the Lord in your hearts? It's an indication for us here that David is a man who loves God. In fact, in Psalm 18, the, he edits it to say, I love you, Lord, is how he begins the psalm. Here in this psalm, David is not only singing, but at the beginning he talks about... Uh, who God is, and he uses all these different metaphors, my God is my rocky summit, my shield, my stronghold, my refuge, my saviour. There are ten uses of the word my, which is worth noting. David is talking about a God whom he knows personally. Not a God that he simply knows about, but someone that he knows personally. He didn't conduct his spiritual journey based on what others would teach him or tell him or other people's experiences, but he had his own walk, his own experiences with God. And so the question is obvious for us. Do we have that personal relationship with God? He desires to have that relationship with us, which is why he sent Jesus, which is why we have Easter, to remember that incredible offer that God wants the relationship re-established and he's made it possible to do so. Well, here is David the recipient of God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's choosing. The Lord is a God who is interested in relationships and he is a God who is trustworthy, who is committed to his people, who is loyal and dependable. This word, my, a very important word. Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. The most important word, my. The Lord is my we need to be able to say the Lord is my shepherd he is my saviour he is my Lord that's a personal thing and if you've never done that then that's a decision that's the most important decision and it's the decision that you must make otherwise if you leave this life without ever making that decision you will go into a Christless eternity an eternity without God an eternity absent from all of his blessings and goodness. David, reflecting on this God whom he knows personally, lists about eight different characteristics, the rock, the fortress, the deliverer. Basically he is saying, when I am in trouble, or whatever circumstance I have in life, God is my security. He is my rock. Imagine someone out at the beach And standing on a rock and when the waves are coming in or the tide is rising, it's a place of security, it's a place of stability in the midst of life's turbulences or changes. That's the image, the picture I think that he is reflecting. That God is a stronghold, that he is a, a shelter, that he protects us that doesn't mean that we never suffer because as we go into this psalm you'll see that day life happens to us all but in the midst of life happening God still watches over us God is observing and everything that is happening in our life we believe happens because he is ordaining it that he is allowing it and that we need to have that perspective for ourselves that everything is father tested everything that comes into our life comes via his throne that he does it, permits it, ordains it, whichever one it is. He is our stronghold. He is our rock. He is our shelter. He is our Saviour. Well, these are the reasons why David is praising God as he reflects upon all that God has done for him. And in verses 5 to 7, David's experience was his situation. Uh, he felt overwhelmed. At some points in his life and in those lists of enemies that I read out to you were some of those occasions. The waves of death engulfed me. He thought he was going under. The currents of chaos overwhelmed me. The ropes of death itself tightened around me. He felt trapped. Verse 7, in my distress I called to the Lord. I called to my God and from his heavenly temple he heard me. What David does is what we obviously need to do. We know we should. We know we can. Do we? Our focus for this year is for us to become a people and families and a church who will be prayerful, better at prayer. Not as a last resort. Not just when I'm in trouble. Not when I've tried everything else that I'm going to pray. It's rather the first avenue. This relationship with God, of talking to Him, doing it up front. Now I know, you know, that we should. But again, the question, is that what it's like for you? And if not, well that's worth reflecting. Why not? What causes you to not have that as your first response? What is it within you? And what needs to change because of that in you? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 instruct us to uh, allow God to direct our steps. Trust in him. Not to rely on our own understanding. uh, But to talk with him. It's amazing how many times I talk to people and they know that, but they haven't done that. Our sinful nature really does make us independent and Strives to keep us away from, fully relying on the Lord who made us to be in relationship with Him, and that relationship is one of dependence, to rely upon Him. So how's that going for you? How's your dependence on God going? I invite you to tell God that you need Him in your life. Invite Him into whatever situation you're wrestling with or troubling you, frustrating you. David did. And he testifies, and the Lord heard me. He heard my voice. He listened to my cry for help. And then he gives this very dramatic explanation of God's uh, response, that God heard him. He says the, from verse 8 all the way down to about verse 20, he describes uh, like the language of an earthquake or the language of a thunderstorm and most people that I'm aware of I haven't been in an earthquake and I haven't seen a volcano but it's the same sort of dramatic response you are awestruck by the power of God it's not the power of Mother Nature it's the power of Father God who's demonstrating his power when there is a cloud burst and the rain pelts down I can't stop myself but by going outside or opening the blinds to watch it it's powerful it's powerful it's incredible. Well, what's the language David uses here to say God stepped in. God made a difference in my life. He says the earth heaved and shook, the foundations trembled, uh, smoke came from God's nostrils and fire out of his mouth. I mean, God has cheesed off. And he comes, and he comes riding on the clouds of this storm. Back in chapter 21, there has been a famine for three years. During David's reign there was a famine. For three consecutive years, David inquired of the Lord. The Lord said it's because of Saul and his blood-stained family because he murdered the Gibeonites. David said about correcting that. And there was a sacrifice, an atonement process made. there is an execution of some people. And at the end it says God responded to their prayers for the land. It's partly reflecting that, I think, in this Psalm 22, But David is reflecting, God came in a storm. He broke the drought. He broke the famine. He came powerfully and mightily. Words of strong, uh, strong winds and lightning bolts and thunder. And then in verses 17 to 20, there's a beautiful analogy. He reached down from above and he grabbed me. He pulled me from the surging water. He rescued me from my strong enemy. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord helped me. He brought me out into a wide place. He delivered me because he was pleased with me. Why did God act in David's life? He delivered me because he was pleased with me. That's an amazing statement. David is aware that he is the recipient of God's kindness, God's grace. God was pleased with him, loved him, cared for him, took joy in a relationship with him. God liked him an amazing statement and the truth is God likes us in Jesus. That God is for us. That he takes joy in the relationship he has with us. That's the whole message of grace. David was a man after God's own heart and as I said, that's why he begins Psalm 18. Lord, I love you. And the psalmist doesn't say it, but I reckon God says that and I love you too. That's the relationship that we can have, should have and that he desires us to have with him. Not us living through this life you know, independently of him and occasionally touching base with him but every day tuning in. In the words of the song, it's our ears being open to his whispers. Our eyes being open to observe his hand at work of what's he orchestrating, what's he doing, what's he allowing. How is he wanting me to respond to the situations that are going on in my life? And he is definitely committed to us becoming more like his son, the Lord Jesus. Well, then I struggled with this part of the psalm. David says here, and I think it's a youthful David, he reflects here that God did this because he was pleased with me and he was pleased with me because I was very godly, I was very obedient, I didn't sin, I wasn't disobedient. says in verse 21, The Lord repaid me for my godly deeds. He rewarded my blameless behaviour. For I have obeyed the Lord's commands. I have not rebelled against my God. I am aware of all of his regulations and I do not reject his rules. I was blameless before him. I kept myself from sinning. I think it's a younger David. A far more older and more reflective and or repentant David will write different Psalms, like Psalm 51 let me read you the words of that one which are not reflected here where David says have mercy on me O God because of your loyal love because of your great compassion wipe away my rebellious acts wash away my wrongdoing cleanse me from my sin for I am aware of my rebellious acts I am forever conscious of my sin against you you above all I have sinned I have done what is evil in your sight see you are just when you confront me you are right when you condemn me and he goes on Just like that. He's a more repentant because Psalm 51 and Psalm 32 and some of the other repentant psalms are after his failures. This is a young David, I think, in 2 Samuel 22. A young guy who was obedient, who was passionately following God and who perhaps a little idealistically believes in his own ability to be fully obedient to God. But he will learn as he stumbles that God is a God of grace. It is true that God looks for us to be obedient. God looks for us to be holy, for us to be blameless, to keep to his directions and instructions. And he does reward us accordingly. That's true. But it's also true that God is a God who is understanding of our fallenness, who knows that we are not capable of delivering blameless behaviour 24-7. That's why he sent Jesus. So that we could have a real relationship with him. We cannot have a relationship with God outside of Jesus. If you take the words of this psalm just here, you may get the wrong impression that David thought that he could, simply by his own righteousness, simply by his own godliness, that that's what his relationship was based upon. But it's not the case. His relationship, like ours, is based upon the initiative of God, the sacrifice, the blood being shed. So how wonderful the promise for us, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive, to cleanse. Well, he goes on to say that God responds to people, depending on how people respond to him. He is a God who is watching, a God who is listening, a God who is responding He proves himself loyal to the one who is loyal. He proves trustworthy to the one who is innocent and so on. Our attitudes towards God can have an impact upon his attitude towards us. But he is the God who initiates, who takes the first step, who opens the arms, who invites us home. Verse 29, David says beautifully, Indeed, Lord, you are my lamp. You are the one who provides me with direction. You are the one who shows me the way when I don't know the way to go. When the way is dark, God is his light. When the way is difficult, he says that God is my support. God has been training him. Verse 33 and following. The one true God is my mighty refuge. He removes obstacles in my way. He gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. He trains my hands for battle. God has been involved shaping developing him, and so on. And David is the recipient of God's training and blessing. At the end of the psalm, he talks, before we get to the end, he talks then uh, in uh, the following paragraph about how God has given him victory. And he's rather blunt about how violent and cruel and successful he has been in that process, that he's been unmerciful to those who have been opposed to him. And he's acknowledging it's not just him, it's God gave him those abilities. He was God's representative in all of this. Well, he concludes by saying why he worships. He says, the Lord lives, verse 47. The Lord is my protector, he is my rock, and he is my saviour. Therefore I praise him, the God that I am in relationship with. Five quick lessons and then we're finished. David recognises, number one, God's hand in his life. As he looks back over the landscape of his life, he's only a young life at this point, he sees the hand of God shaping and ordaining and allowing things and bringing him through to victory. As a result of seeing God's hand, he sings this song of praise and of thanks. When he cried to the Lord secondly, he was heard and he was answered. And as a result, he sings this psalm of praise and the thanks. He acknowledges that God is his lamp, the one who directs him and a deliverer. And as a result, he sings this song, praise and a thanks. He says the Lord is alive and he can be actively involved in our lives. Well, those same four lessons are true for us. God is at work in our world and in our lives and we need to open our eyes and have God open them so we can see His hand and respond with thanks and with praise acknowledging what God is doing. But we need like David to cry to the Lord in the midst of all circumstances and to acknowledge His answers that God is our light and that when we need direction to go to Him and to follow His instructions, His directions and it will result in praise and thanks to Him. And we certainly know and believe the Lord does live. It's what Easter reminds us of, that our God is alive and wants to be actively involved in each of our lives. Well, the last thing I wanted to ask you this morning before I pray is simply this. Read through this chapter, read through this song that David has written and see which verse or verses stand out for you. Which ones grabbed you? and take that verse or those verses with you into today and into the days of this week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I do pray that as you did for David, so for us, you would open our eyes to see your hand in our life situation. Help us to intentionally go looking for it and to hear your whisper of what you are doing. Lord, help us to be aware, like David, of your answers to our prayers and to give you thanks. Lord, there are often decisions we have to make, choices to be made. Help us to receive your directions and to experience you at work, you delivering us from trials and from temptations. Lord, we invite you to be involved in our lives. We invite you to be Lord and for us to walk in a very close relationship with you. Heavenly Father, we ask that you might grant this in Jesus' name for each of us today and this week. Amen.